Hello, PolyM fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hello, Bella. Hello, Monsuda. Happy December. Yay! I got I got a tiny dusting of snow for happy December day. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I know you like that stuff. I do. I wish it snowed more, but it was nice to be like, ah, oh, big flakes, and now they're gone. Yeah, and I like that part. Now yeah. they're gone. Yeah. So I'm Monsada. This is Bella. And of course, we are here talking our poly off. As we do on the weekly. And as you do, because you come and listen and talk with us. Yeah. And this episode is actually kind of a very discussion-based episode because it comes from one of our listeners. There was a question that was presented to me Mm -hmm. in regards to how do we sleep together? (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to talk about sex, but very briefly, (laughs) what we're really going to talk about is sleeping arrangements, which is pretty much what the question Right. Was. And I think that the best way to start this discussion is maybe try to think about where all this convoluted mess of people sleeping together came from. Totally. Talk about a little bit of the history. Now, we don't have any historians that can date back to (laughs) the days of primitive man. I would assume there'd be a lot of huddling and cuddling to keep warm yeah well i mean we did learn from the movie the crudes if you've seen that <laughs> i did not learn I th- from that i movie. i taught i think i showed it to you though. i saw it yeah. yeah but i mean everything means you die so you have to sleep in the cave together yeah all cuddled up just like you were saying to so you don't die from all the outsiders see and i learned this lesson from i think it was a 1982 movie called <laughs> caveman <laughs> It had Ringo Starr of the Beatles in it, <laughs> and there was a lot of huddling and cuddling in that movie yeah. for the same reason. So you don't die. So you don't die. Yes. Well, I mean, before we go into the history of everything, uh huh. do we want to share how our weekend was? Oh, absolutely. Hell, I'm just all down for business. All business today. Tell me about it. <laughs> Why don't you tell me about it? How was your weekend? It was good. Aside from, I'm a little sniffly today, so bear with me. Uh, But it was Thanksgiving weekend. We made it through, and it was busy and fun and kind of a whirlwind of chaos. But lots of laughter, lots of love, lots of memories. Lots of people. Lots of people in and out of the house all weekend. And a ton of damn food. Oh, such good food, though. How did you guys do the turkey? We spatchcocked it. Yeah. Yeah. I was in the living room. Take with, that how you will. <laughs> I was in the living room with the grand boys, and here comes granddad walking in with a spine from the turkey in his hand. <laughs> Look was, what I did. <laughs> it was a very wonderful predator moment. It felt good. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> so to spatchcock, well, let's even go back further. We had Thanksgiving with your family. Yep, we did Thanksgiving with my family on Thanksgiving Day. I spent Thanksgiving night with my wife. Yep. Then Friday, Black Friday, after Thanksgiving, 
was cookie baking day with a bunch of friends over. Oh, yeah. That was a good time. That was fun. I've and never then... seen anyone burn chocolate in a microwave before. <laughs> Our friend Angry Bambi, as we call her. <laughs> She bought a bunch of chocolate, and instead of going to a different store to buy Hershey's Kiss or Hershey's like chocolate chips or whatever to melt, she bought Hershey's Kisses and then sat down at the table and was like, "Oh shit, I have to unwrap all of these individually, one by one." <laughs> I even took the time to help her unwrap four bags of Hershey's Kisses. And then there was no microwaving in thirty-second intervals. She put it in for a straight two minutes. And burnt the chocolate. <laughs> it was good. It was like a smoky bear almost came Yeah, the out. microwave was, like, was smoking, and I was like, I didn't do it. Don't look at me. <laughs> that was good. But, but we made okay. way too many cookies, and I'm actually looking forward to getting some soon. Yeah, we made cookies. We made fudge. We made peppermint bark. Mm -hmm. We were waiting for the grandkids to get into town, so it was just baking day. Yeah, and then the grandkids showed up. My daughter showed up. My son-in-law showed up. So the whole family... I guess that was a shorter version. The that, whole family. That branch up. of the family. Yep. <laughs> and they just barely left right before this recording. Yeah. So we have been nonstop with a full house. And we did second Thanksgiving on Saturday. On Saturday. And that's where I predatored the turkey. Yeah. So spatchcocking, you cut the spine out of the turkey and then you turn it over after you have your predator moment. <laughs> And then you perform really bad, aggressive CPR on the breast of the turkey because you want to crack those ribs and flatten that turkey out. <laughs> and then you lay it flat on a pan. Yeah. You do all your, your turkey rub and all that stuff. And then you cook it. And it cooks for like 90 minutes instead of 300 days. Yeah, and it was so juicy and tender and good and seasoned all the way through it was really good well i have excellent rub techniques you do yes. you do i do like your hands uh-huh yeah and we just hung out with the grand boys and played and watched tv and then we played card games yep we you, had like the whole polycule over yeah you brought your girlfriend over mm -hmm. uh, my girlfriend and her husband came over yeah and so we had a really cool partner meta night and the kids were involved. The grandkids were hanging out watching Disney stuff. Your youngest came over. Yeah, so it was a really busy night, and it was fantastic. It was full of laughter and joy and love, and it was all good. We didn't even take that many pictures. Like, I didn't take pictures of the food at all. I was just so busy cooking and making sure everyone's having a good time. I got a couple of pictures of a few things. Yeah. So it was good, and now we're wrapping up and recording, and then... Maybe we'll have some time to watch a movie and chill out. Or play Elder Scrolls. Or play some ESO. Yep, and download the, the dragons. Yes. We have to see. So. Anyway. Back to the episode. <laughs> Let's talk about where this whole sleeping together business comes from, to some degree. And that's the ancient Roman times. The marital bed was a place for romance, but not sleep. Folks in the Middle Ages viewed beds as places of courtship, where unmarried couples were permitted to be in the same bed, but were separated by a strategically placed bolster. <laughs> Before the Victorian era, sleeping in the same bed with your partner was considered unhealthy. Yeah. It wasn't until the Industrial Revolution that couples slept in the same bed as really a result of limited living space in the cities. 
Yeah, and now, according to Virginia Tech professor Roger Ekerch, a historian and author of the book At Day's Close, Night in Times Past, there used to be a financial incentive to sleeping together. As recently as the 1800s, it appears our history of bunking together runs much deeper than just financial necessity. We human beings are also a little scared of the dark. <laughs> Night, man's first necessary evil, inspired widespread fear before the Industrial Revolution, Ekerch says. Never did families feel more vulnerable than when they retired at night. Bedmates afforded a strong sense of security, given the prevalence of perils, real and imagined, from thieves and arsonists to ghosts and witches and the Prince of Darkness himself. <laughs> I mean, he says, once a bedmate became your best friend, not just married couples, but sons sleeping with servants and not sleeping together, but like in the same space. Yeah, in the same bed. <laughs> Sisters with one another and aristocratic wives with mistresses. Darkness within the intimate confines of a bed leveled social distinctions despite differences in gender and status. Ekerch says, Most individuals did not readily fall asleep, but conversed freely. In the absence of light, bedmates coveted that hour when frequently formality and etiquette perished by the bedside. Yeah, we sleep together not because it's fiscally responsible, but because we're affectionate beings. Our minds need rest, but our minds also need camaraderie and intimacy. Anxiety and stress seem less intimidating when discussed with a partner while wearing pajamas or nothing. I mean, yeah, we, my nakedness is my pajamas. <laughs> I feel more vulnerable in my nakedness than in my pajamas. Your birth suit. <laughs> I guess I'd need to go buy pajamas first. Well, you got your Rick and Morty shorts. I do, and my Mario Brothers <laughs> yeah. shorts. Yeah, but I never wear them. Yeah, that's true. So according to bettersleep.org, contrary to popular belief, sleeping apart from your partner is not uncommon today. According to a 2005 National Sleep Foundation poll, nearly one in four American couples sleeps in separate bedrooms or beds. Hmm. The National Association of Home Builders estimates that 60% of the new custom homes will have dual master bedrooms this year. I totally want a dual master bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the reasons for nocturnal incompatibility <laughs> will include, but are not limited to, right? different bedtimes and wake times. TV viewing by one partner. Yep. Preferences for a firmer or softer mattress. And you know, my preferences change from night to night, so it's kind of nice to have choices. <laughs> right. And we'll get into that. Um, a mattress that is too small. Different room temperature preferences. Sleep disorders and other medical conditions. Snoring. Just <laughs> snoring. Lots of snoring. Snoring. Also sleep crimes, including the blanket burglar, the pillow thief, and the sheet stealer. <laughs> <laughs> you get room to stretch. You control your atmosphere, your climate, your environment. When you're alone. Well, now, proponents of bed sharing support the psychological benefits of being close to your partner at night. Some researchers maintain that sleeping with your partner may actually promote health by lowering the stress hormone cortisol and reducing cytokines that are linked to inflammation. Sleeping together is also thought to boost oxytocin levels, which are known to lower anxiety levels. Sharing a bed with your partner may also serve as emotional support while promoting feelings of safety and security. I mean, in my opinion, I think it's good to balance both sleeping together and sleeping separate. I fully support sleeping together. 
There's pros and cons With to both. a ton of people. <laughs> All at the same time. Pairing up. Mm, 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 mm. I think a big issue we see today in today's world that couples run into is if you're not sleeping in the same bed, the outside perception tends to be that you're not having sex. And people are afraid to admit to sleeping apart because they fear that judgment and assumption. You know, if I tell the neighbor down the street that we have two separate bedrooms, they're going to be like, oh, their sex life must suck. What's wrong with you guys? Right. Well, and another simple aspect is the possibility that we have grown conditioned to seek a sleeping partner as an aspect of measuring a successful relationship like what you're talking about mm -hmm. in typical monogamous life or just in general. Like they might think that we're on the outs or, oh, you know, it's not long before that home falls apart. Right. Danger, danger. Right. On the other hand, on the other hand, I also think that it's that fundamental desire for not feeling lonely, mm. you, need, you know, comfort, security. They play a large part in the choosing of having sleep partners versus sleeping alone. Totally. Like back with the early days where the darkness is scary. <laughs> what do you mean the early days? I struggled just the other night when you were staying over at your wife's and I was like, the house is making noises. The dog is barking for no reason. The dark was scary yesterday. And as much as I wish I could say that you were a special case, <laughs> I think that a lot of people do have that issue right. and that's why a lot of people choose to sleep together and I think that sleeping together is a fantastic thing and if that's what someone wants to do and they have a partner that also wants to do that then perfect because sleeping with your partner is great yeah I will also say sleeping alone is sometimes <laughs> the most glorious thing ever well, we're both very excited for tonight's sleep alone <laughs> yeah <laughs> now that we've we've really just kind of covered some base here we we laid some groundwork for discussion on sleeping alone versus sleeping together where it comes from kind of why it started right i, I feel like everyone's on the same page yeah. so i'm going to quote the question that presented for this episode sure so we had a listener mm -hmm. who had said i know you and bella have separate rooms how do you decide who sleeps where with who and what if one is craving sleeping together and the other one doesn't? Hmm. Okay. Good question. And it sparked a lot of good conversation. And this is a big deal. So I felt like maybe this would be a great conversation for us to have with the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, um, what you just said, like, for the rest of the world, it does make me wonder, too, what other customs are. Because obviously we only know here in the U.S. with our firsthand experience. But it does make me curious and wonder what other countries do as far as sleeping arrangements on a, like in a customary sense, like what do they right. typically do? You know, like how many stuck with the formalities of etiquette and, and socialization in that time frame versus like, maybe it's just America where we're all bunking up with people. Because, <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's, a, that's a great point. So maybe we'll talk about how we do it here in America. And we'd love to hear your emails. Oh, absolutely. Tell us how you guys sleep together. <laughs> I know we've got plenty of listeners in Australia and New Zealand and France mm -hmm. and all over the place. Okay, so it starts out simple enough, right? Generally, we just have a basic discussion, maybe a quick check-in. You know, we've, we've been running all day. We've been doing stuff all day. Maybe we've planned for the next couple of days where to sleep. Yeah. And then toward the end of the afternoon, 
just double check with each other. Maybe one of us had a stressful day or maybe someone got bad news. Yeah. So it's simple as a check-in. Bella, where do you want to sleep tonight? Yeah. You know? Well, we, like you said, we might have it scheduled out where we're like, okay, we know you've got a date night this night. I've got a date night this night. So we'll probably do alone nights or maybe you'll come home and we're going to plan to sleep together or whatever it is. But life happens and things uh -huh. come up. So those check-ins get really important. And they come up, it could be at dinner time or it could be when we get off work and you're like, I can tell you're a little on edge. How are you feeling tonight? Do you want to feel some alone time? Um, I know I like to meditate, so like that comes up. Or sometimes it's all the way up to we're getting ready for bed. And it's like, okay, wait, which bed or how do you want to sleep? Right. Do you want to be alone or do you want to be in your room or? Which often happens. Yeah. And it's cool and it's easy. It's a, it's a quick, easy check-in. Sometimes you can beat your partner to the punch instead <laughs> of saying, where do you want to sleep tonight? Say, this is how I feel I would like to sleep tonight. Would you be okay with that? Or mm -hmm. would that work for you? Yeah. I guess. Well, and we've also got kind of this unspoken understanding between each other that like our feelings don't get hurt when somebody says, you know... I really want to sleep alone tonight, or I really need some me time tonight. Um, it's not that they're choosing, they're they're not anti-us, and I don't want to sleep with you, and rar. They're just choosing some self-care me time instead. So we just have this understanding that it's not a personal attack to not sleep together. Well, and that's that's actually a big thing, because initially, you could think, or you could feel... That, oh, they don't want to sleep with me. What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Right. So an easy way to flip that script so that you feel more comfortable with it is accepting that they might just want to stretch out or maybe they're feeling gassy. I don't know. Like, <laughs> right? You know, and they don't want to upset a partner. And they just they just want to be a little bit alone. It doesn't mean they love you less. It just means they need a little space. And that's cool because there are times where you might also feel that. Mm-hmm. And it's great to have a partner who understands that. So it's kind of a two-way street thing here. Yeah. Well, in our house, specifically, we've got the wiener dog, we've got Loki, and we've got the, the big orange cat, Oliver, who both sleep in bed with us. Right. So while we each have a king-size bed, the bed gets crowded. Everybody's all, all four of us are piled into the bed. Right. And sometimes it's nice to just have your own space. So I guess we could even back up a little bit here. Mm -hmm. The arrangement that Bella and I have is that we have two bedrooms. She has her own full environment room. I have my own full environment room. We each have our own beds. And that's where we bounce back and forth. Yeah. Now, before this house, we had more bedrooms and we had a different partner. Mm -hmm. So that's where I guess... This starts to become complicated. In a monogamous environment, this would be the end of the episode because it's that easy. Right. It really is. Right. A couple each has their own room. Right. And sometimes you want to sleep here, sometimes you don't. That's totally cool. However, now that we are not talking about monogamy specifically, and we're talking about adding people into the bedroom mix, that's when it starts getting a little complicated. Well, when I first moved in, you know, I've been... I've been an outside partner to married couples multiple times, so it wasn't a new thing to me. And I learned over the last decade of practicing polyamory, I know that I need my own space. I need somewhere to escape to. 
I need somewhere when I get off work, I need to decompress. I want to be able to close my door. I need my own space. So when we were discussing moving in, that was part of the deal was that I need to have my own room. Mm -hmm. And I've done that before with previous couples. And so we made that work and that was not a problem. And then as time went on, both you and your wife were both kind of like, oh man, that'd be nice to have my own room. And we could have made it work, but we, we ended up turning one into a, an office and there were still two kids at the other end of the hall. Right. But there were bedrooms to make it work. Well, and in that scenario, what had happened was once you moved in and I was spending nights in your room, I kind of forfeit my shared room to my wife. Right. Uh, so she had a room, you had a room, and I just did this ping pong thing. <laughs> back and forth. Where I'd bounce back and forth between rooms. So mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of became a bedroom vagabond. Yeah. <laughs> and would end up just alternating. Mm -hmm. And I tried to make it equal. And so that left an odd night, which I either chose which room I wanted to be in, or oftentimes I would go sleep alone. And, you know, if that meant hanging out on the couch, I was good with it because we had a nice couch with the fold-out thing. Yeah, it was your free night to And it was a choose. free night, yeah. So, either way, it still worked to a degree, mm -hmm. right? And on top of that, even before you moved in, because you're the first live-in partner I had, I was still okay with sleeping by myself because I'd grown accustomed to it. I used to work graveyards a lot. Yeah. And I'd be at work when my wife was asleep and she'd get up and go to work and the kids were at school and I'd go to sleep. And so sleeping alone has not really ever been an issue. I've actually often always enjoyed it because I do. I get it. I think we're going to talk about the benefits later, but I'd get to stretch out and I'd get to just relax. And, yeah. And after a long night, I could just come and crash and not have to worry about Anyone else but my own sleep. Right. So that was good. Okay, so back to having multiple partners in one house, though. Mm hmm At this point, it was no longer just every other night I'm in a different place. Or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm with you. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I'm with her. And then Sunday's my free time. I mean, that was kind of what we had. Yeah. But there are other aspects to scheduling sleep that come into play on that. And that's where it starts getting a little more complicated. Like if you and I are celebrating an anniversary and that falls on a Thursday, you're going to want me with you in theory on our anniversary night. Right. But Thursday is generally the other partner's night. And then so then negotiation needs to happen or rescheduling needs to happen. Yeah, I think people need in general to be pretty flexible and open in these types of situations like you understand that shit happens stuff comes up you know it, as a planner myself and i like my regimented i like knowing exactly what goes on all the time even i understand that things change and can be altered it's okay right so going in understanding that someone's not trying to take your time or screw you over you know sometimes stuff just comes up and be flexible with it Sure, you want this night? Cool, I'm going to switch it with this one if that's all right. You know, or you need all of these days this week? Cool, but I'm going to take four days next week or whatever. Like, you negotiate, like you said. Right, we managed to do that pretty well most times. Yeah. But when emotions 
start taking play into it. Mm -hmm. The insecurities or the jealousy, the outside the bedroom work stuff that comes into play. Then sometimes it's a little tougher to deal with yeah. those schedules and those negotiations. Well, and I even struggle on with the smallest thing, right? So, like, currently right now, you have a standing date night with somebody else on Tuesdays. Uh-huh. Tuesdays are the movie theater's cheap movie night. Right. So I'm like, great, I can never take you to a cheap movie now because you always go see this person on Tuesdays. <laughs> so those feelings absolutely come up. And that's when you just have to do that internal monologue talk. And, okay, sure, your date night is on Tuesdays, but... That doesn't mean there's not room for switching if I want to take you somewhere special. Right. Absolutely. And the same can be applied to the bedroom. Right. Now, what if you find that a partner has another partner who, I guess, your metamor, mm -hmm. maybe is trying to get more night times through, you know, coming up with, oh, well, we had a super date this night or this day is special to me. I mean, at what point is discussing and negotiating and scheduling not enough and maybe having serious discussions an important thing i mean like what are you looking for how do you find that well i think that line is going to be different for everyone based on their relationships like if i was close to the meta i might try reaching out to the meta and just be like hey i'm getting i'm starting to get a little frustrated here because it's i'm feeling like this is happening but if i don't have a close relationship with the meta it's awful to put our shared partner in the middle of conversations because that just eats away at the partner. Yeah. So maybe that's when it's time for like a group polycule check-in meeting, whether that's group chat or in person, you know, whatever works for you. But it's got to be a safe space where people can openly talk about their feelings and say, without pointing fingers, I'm feeling like my time is getting cut short what can we do about that? You know, yeah. I want you to get the time that you need and want, but I also want to make sure I, my heart's taken care of too, you know, and having that open, safe discussion. Absolutely. It's not easy. And everyone may not be on board, but it's always an option. So let's take it to the less easy step here mm -hmm. with another example. I'm just going to throw a random partner in the mix. You and I are living together and... Susan and I are living <laughs> together and the three of us live in the house. We all have our own bedrooms or I guess let's simplify it. We're living in the same house. There's two bedrooms. I'm doing the bedroom vagabond thing. You're bouncing between them. Or even if you have your own bedroom mm -hmm. and say Susan and I get into a heinous fight. I mean, this is not good. It's one of those fights that gets to the point where it's like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm sleeping <laughs> on the couch. Right. Right. But when you're living in a house with more than one partner, you know, you're feeling bad. You might want to go get comforted and consoled. So in theory, you could just run over to your other partner's room and stay there. You know that if you do that, though, that's going to cause some real big issues in an already hairy situation. Right, because then that creates tension between your two partners. Right. You know, one thinks that you're choosing the other over her and whatnot. And that's not easy to do. Yeah. Especially when you're already upset or you're hurt. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there who have been in a scenario similar to this. Sometimes that is a great night to sleep alone. Go to the couch. Go to the other room. Go Sleep in the car, you know, <laughs> down the street. I don't care. I do a buddy's. <laughs> Make sure that you don't sleep with another partner, though, if you want to avoid 
having to deal with all the extra work that goes into repairing some damaged feelings. Right, and now you're going to be the go-between between the two pissed-off partners. And that's never fun. No, we've been there. <laughs> I think consideration in general, I mean, that's like my life motto. <laughs> but in general, when it comes to sleeping situations and scenarios and... Um, whose room do I choose to stay in? And do I get upset at my meta because my partner chose that room? I think a lot of that will get smoothed out if you can keep your shit in check and calm and think about it from the other person's side. Yeah. You know, if, if you're the married couple and there's a new person entering the dynamic living there, they might not have all of the other benefits that you have just in simply being the married partner, the natural benefits that come with that. Right. So if there's like an extra day this week that they want, maybe that would be the considerate thing to do if you and your partner are going to be doing some special thing with the kids that this new dynamic partner is not going to get to be involved in. Right. You know, it's, it's just considering how other people are going to feel in the situation. Put yourself in their shoes. Yeah, should be easy enough. You would think, but it's not. So basically what we did is we talked about a monogamous separate sleeping scenario. And we talked about polyamorous multiple partners living in the same house kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. And then there's, there's obviously always going to be other aspects. You could have a partner who doesn't live with you, but will come and stay the night. Mm -hmm. There'll be times where you go stay the night at another partner's house. So there's there's a ton of things to cover here, and we're not going to get through the details of everything, but I think that those will come up again here shortly. Yeah. So let's talk about sex. <laughs> let's talk about sex, baby. I knew that you, you were going to do that. Whether you're living with multiple partners, or you have multiple partners, and one comes over... And you find yourself having intimate time mm -hmm. and you take it to the bedroom. If the other partner wasn't invited or doesn't want to be involved or that's not the dynamic that the metas share, then that other partner is going to go to their room, mm -hmm. you know, maybe at the end of the night or whatever. That's where it can get a little complicated. It's nice to have your own room because then you get to have your sexual encounters or your intimate encounters with a partner that you might not get hanging out in the living room while the other partner is like in the kitchen or doing something outside. Right. You still have your own intimate space for you and your partners. And that's one of the amazing benefits of having your own separate room. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, whether it's us here in this house or where we were in our last house, the bedrooms of each of my partners or like here with you and I mm -hmm. is still very close together. Right, like wall sharing. Wall sharing, yes. And then, so you're in there having sex, mm -hmm. and your partner in the next room can hear it. <laughs> Even if you're trying to be quiet. Right. How does that work? How do you, what do you feel about that? It's so much fun. Yeah? It's my favorite being woken up at 3 a.m. when I have to go to work to sex. Yeah? Yeah. And you're not having it? No. <laughs> <laughs> So now I, I would I would talk about this a lot, but I don't have a lot of experience in this point. 
being the solo one in the room. Right. You, while the partner's getting the bang away You going. get all the sex happenings while I get to listen to them all. That's got to be exciting. <laughs> it has its moments. Yeah? Yeah, it's totally a turn on sometimes. Okay. I think the only time I've ever been really upset by it was the one time when I got woken up at like two or three o'clock in the morning and I had to work the next day, but you didn't, or it was something right. like you took the day off to spend with your partner yeah. and I had to go to work. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Yeah, <laughs> you guys I were having like marathon sex all night and it was fine when I was falling asleep with the TV on cause I couldn't hear it. But once the sleep timer went off and then I had passed out and I was asleep and then you guys were back up for round three, that's when I could hear it. <laughs> I was like, God damn it! <laughs> but other than that, it's never really been a problem. So, and that becomes the issue, right? Even if you're trying to be quiet, which there were a few times during that mm -hmm. night specifically, we were, because I want you to get a good night's sleep so you can get to work. <laughs> I was thinking about you. <laughs> Don't say that! <laughs> well, in the sense, at least, that I didn't want to wake you. Right, you were considerate. Yeah, I was considering you. <laughs> But it didn't work, and as quiet as we were trying to be, I thought we were trying to be, it was still noisy enough. And then I got passive-aggressive as fuck. Yeah, you did. I went to the bathroom, and I was, like, slamming doors around. I made sh damn sure that they knew that it woke me up. <laughs> and I remember, too, because I'm not with this girl anymore, but she heard you, and she's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Are we in trouble? Did we wake Bella up? And I was like... Oh, no, she, she's up many times at night to go to the bathroom or whatever, <laughs> trying to play it off like it's cool. And in my head, I'm like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to deal with this bullshit tomorrow. <laughs> so it's good times, good times. But I mean, in general... <laughs> oh, pro tip, don't put your headboard against the wall that shares with your partner's room. Yep, don't I do always that. face my headboard toward an outside wall or away from the partner's wall share. <laughs> Keep that in mind when setting up your room. And I think it's also actually a good discussion to have, like with metas or whatnot, the comfort level of, you know, hey, if my partner's home, they may hear you. Yeah. You know, like, are you comfortable with that? Otherwise, sexy time might have to wait until that partner's not home. Um, or when you go to their place. Right, or when you go to their place. Just... Or when you buy a motel room. <laughs> just having those open and or honest... Or when you find yourself in a car in a parking lot. <laughs> uh... Or on a hiking trip. Are we done? Yeah, okay. <laughs> having those open and honest conversations, so that way nobody's surprised. You know, and we do that all the time with, like, um, our what-ifs. Uh-huh. Hey, I'm going to have girlfriend so-and-so over... How are you feeling today? I mean, this could go to sex. This could go to just heavy petting on the couch. How are you feeling about all that? Kind of doing that honest open check-in again. Well, that's a big deal, and I think that would maybe be better suited for another episode. But because you brought it up, I think that when you're discussing potential relationship nights or date nights, and I guess it makes sense. Sex nights? Sex nights. If you have someone coming over or whatever the scenario is, you know that you can't plan out every single intimate detail. Right. And some things just happen in the heat of the moment. And if you have a partner over to watch movies or so on and so forth, like the last date night I had with my new girlfriend was at home. Mm -hmm. 
You don't know for sure where it's going to go, but you don't want to say it's not going to go as far as it could go. And so before the date, you and I would talk and, and I said, I don't plan on doing this and I don't plan on doing this, but I know that sometimes things happen and if I happen to go in that direction, how do you feel? Right. And that's a really good idea for any kind of date. Yeah, well, and on my end, you know, it's an at-home date. I'm also at home. It happened to be the night before Thanksgiving. Uh -huh. So I was food prepping earlier in that evening. And then I was super excited to take a bath and watch some Disney Plus in my bedroom. Like, I was really excited for it. So I kind of laid out to him my plans for the evening at home and was like, look, if you see me into the kitchen, I'm not out here spying on you. I'm maybe making a drink. You'll see me in the hallway heading to the bath, and then I'm going to be in my room just by choice, not because I'm banished there. And that gave him an idea of what I was feeling, and I told him, like, while you may not be expecting and planning sex, like, if it goes there, I'm good, you know, it's, I'm, I'm totally fine. And it's not that I'm giving permission or that he's even asking permission. Yeah, can I'm not I, good at doing Can that. I have sex with my girlfriend tonight? It's not a permission-seeking thing. It's a check-in. It's a this could happen. How are you feeling? And I might have negative feelings about it. Oh, that's really fast. That's faster than I was expecting you guys to move. I might struggle with that. So it's not a, a permission thing. It's a heads-up. I could struggle with it, so maybe we need to talk some more about it or talk about my insecurities that might come up, but have fun. Right. Let's just revisit how I'm feeling later. Right, and that's actually been something that's really helped us in our relationship. Yeah. You are not the type to do that spy stuff you're talking about, which I'm so thankful for. Oh, dude, but I'm a dirty bird, and so if I know they have consent for me to listen in on you guys being dirty... I'll totally listen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and then the thing is, when we do these check-ins with each other, it gives us the opportunity to make more educated decisions. And I think that's where it comes from. I'm shit at asking permission. I don't like it. If I feel like I'm asking permission, I feel like you have some kind of perceived control over me, and I don't go for that shit. Right. But I do like being considerate of you and your feelings. And I like that we have a great relationship, and I want to continue to make that happen. So even when I'm rushing on NRE, which I haven't always been good at managing, <laughs> I do want to know where you stand, and I do want to know what kind of feelings you have. Yeah, I'm probably going to go faster in sex than you do, right? because that's just who we are. We're a little different like that. And something I might be more okay with, you might need more time. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking that that's a possibility, you might be surprised. And sometimes that surprise alone is enough to bring up some feelings and some emotions. Right. That if we don't get to discuss them, it becomes a little raw. Totally. And that's not even just around sex. You know, there was, you had a past girlfriend who left a love note in your room once. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I was cleaning or putting something away or grabbing water bottles. And I didn't know she left it there. Yeah. And I came across this love note. And it had said, like, I love you mm -hmm. at the end. And there was nothing wrong with it. It just took me by surprise. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and her and I have been <laughs> friends for over a year. And as friends, we had no problem yeah. telling each other we love each other. And then we took our relationship to the next level. 
And so it was just kind of a natural thing that we did anyway. Right. And it was no big deal after that shock wore off. And it was like, no, I know you love everyone. Like, I know you say well, I, I don't love, love everyone. Come on, let's get real. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the shock value. And I think that was something that we just hadn't discussed. Whereas, like, it was heading in a loving direction in that intensity. Uh, so it shocked me. And then we talked about it and everything was fine. Right. So the check-ins, those are important. And they're important for the aspect that you want to take care of each of the partners you have. Yeah, totally. And then when you have a date over and you've already talked to your nesting partner on how things might look that night in that partner's home as well. And if going in a direction that maybe you didn't anticipate or that you were hoping for. And then you can have some conversations with your partner that's visiting. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, I want you to be aware that our rooms share a wall. Are you going to be comfortable with this? Is this something we can do? Always consent is a big deal, mm -hmm. and informed consent is fantastic. So if, as Bella said earlier, they don't feel comfortable being heard or listened in on, then making different arrangements would be nice for that other yeah. partner as well. Well, and then there's always things like that particular date night I was home. It was the night before Thanksgiving, and I was planning to be home. Mm -hmm. But the, the last one that you were going to have at the house... I planned a date night of my own out of the house. Yeah. So that way I wouldn't be around to interrupt or feel like um, you guys had eyes on you or anything like that. So I planned a date night for dinner and a movie out of the house. And I know in the past I've planned and looked for girls nights out, you know, yeah. do one of those sip and paint wine nights and dinner or whatever it is, do a crafty make and take at craft warehouse you know, something like that, just to get you out of the house, too, so you're not feeling like you're shunned to the bedroom of your own place and you can't do anything, and it's all about planning. Yeah, it really is. And that's that's another great aspect, because, say, you bring a partner over. I don't want to get... I want you to be able to explore with your partners. Yeah. Uh, with you and KFUG, I try to make sure that I see you all the time. <laughs> I'll back up. I'm perfectly happy backing up. Let you two explore your time together because your time together is more limited. Right. And, and sometimes it's easy to do. And sometimes I'm like, man, I should just go out and do something because I'm getting tired of watching these two <laughs> or hearing them in the other room. And, and I just it, like I don't ever get bothered by it. But I get bored easy, so I'm like, oh, this is stupid. I want to go do something. <laughs> but it's important to try to give that space, yeah. especially when you have a visiting partner. Well, and like, we're talking about examples where the date is maybe happening in the living room and then moves to the bedroom later on kind of a thing. Right. I think K-Fug and I, our next date, I'm going to teach her how to play some video games. Yeah. Well, my TV and my PlayStation are in my bedroom. Right. So our whole date night might be in the bedroom. That leaves the living room and kitchen open for you all night long where you can play your own stuff and have your own distraction. You don't have to feel shunned to the bedroom right. kind of a thing. Yeah. So that'll be interesting, too, because that's a different date night. And then on those nights where jealousy does pop up, it's going to happen. Yeah. One way or the other, it's going to happen. And no matter how slight or severe, jealousy or insecurity or those fears or those worries, they're always creeping around somewhere, and you never realize when they show up. And say that night's happening and it does show up, that's where all the work outside the bedroom has always been so important. Mm -hmm. We have our kitchen table talks and we have 
our check-ins and we process through information together. We do these podcasts so that so that everyone can process a little bit more at a time or a little bit and better with at a us, time. We often process while recording. Right. So it's all the outside of the bedroom work that's really crucial and that stuff all comes into play really hard on a night where your living partner is sharing the night with one of their other partners. Right. I've found myself before when my fear and insecurities have kicked in and you're out on a date where you have a date in your bedroom that I can hear and I'm struggling with it. Uh-huh. I take to journaling and I will, um, I've done in the past where I'll make a list like on the left side of my insecurities and then on the right side, I'll say something positive that kind of fights that insecurity or fear that I was feeling. So I'll journal in the moment, and then I'll talk to you about it later afterwards. Yeah. And obviously, it's easier if your partner who doesn't live with you, you're out on a date at their place, and maybe they don't have a partner situation. And you can go there, and you can do whatever you want, and you can be as loud as you want. There have been other times where I knew things were going to go in a moderately to fully sexual situation. And I felt like that might not have been the best time to do that at home. Yeah. I'd even maybe plan a night at one of the clubs. Right. And go to one of the adult lifestyle clubs in Portland. And then we could have all the sexy time we wanted. Yeah. And that would be that. And then my partner's living at home wouldn't have to hear all the weird noises. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what else is an interesting thought with... The living situation is having a comet type partner or someone long distance uh-huh. who comes into town, I don't know, four days to a week. You uh-huh. know, they're in town for a little chunk of time and they're going to come stay with you for that time frame. Well, like you said earlier, I see a lot of you. I get to do a lot of things with you. But in this one week that this person's going to be here, you want to dedicate most of your time to them because that's all that they get. Right, that's how Peaches and I used to operate when we were together. Yeah, and that can often be difficult on the nesting side because you're used to having all the time. Right. There's routine built up and there's things that normally happen, but for this one week, it's not going to go that way. And so that's a weird adjustment that, again, you just got to talk about and set those expectations and, okay, cool, well, you guys are going to have five date nights this week. What two nights can I have? Or, you know, like... What can we do to still have something special instead of being brushed under the rug, you know? Well, that's difficult, too. One of the things, because when I think about time shared, I would think if someone's putting in all the effort to driving a couple of hours and spending gas money and all the money to get there, and you want to show them that you appreciate the time and effort that they put into that. So you're going to try to just load as much time as you can get with this person as a way to show that you respect and value their efforts. Right. But you also need to remember that you still have a partner or multiple partners who are still your partner while the comet is brushing your existence. Right. Like their life didn't pause while you lived out this one week. And we've, we've had our successes and our failures with that. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, you could, you could either put all of your shine on the comet or you can still put a lot of emphasis as a reminder on your partners and try to make sure that they're included in a lot of things 
or still dedicate some time to it, that's where it gets really complicated, honestly. It does. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to expectations and discussion again. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if expectations are set that, like, we're going to do a lot of things while, while this partner's in town, but I do want to have one night where I still come say goodnight and maybe have a special dinner with you. And then I'm going to, obviously you're going to sleep with that partner all week because they're in town. You're not going to leave them alone in your bed, but doing one thing maybe, you know, with the live-in partner. But as far as the expectations go, you know, talking ahead of time, are you going to do a group game night? Are you all going to go out to dinner one night or, you know, like figuring out how that week is going to work in advance instead of being in the moment on the spot shit, we're here, what do we do? And I think when we finally were ironing out the rough spots of that relationship dynamic, yeah, I think that's what worked well, is that we'd plan at least a game night because the metamorphs still want to get to know each other in some scenarios. And it's also nice to show that everyone cares enough about everyone else to make sure that nobody feels neglected. Right. So that was that was a bit to figure out, and we did it. And that was probably one of our toughest ones. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else specifically that you think would be relevant to this conversation? Backing off the sexy time, even having your own room helps you be who you are outside of a partnership. You get to put up your statues and your wall art and stuff that is you. Right. I get to put up my twinkly lights and my stuffed animals and all of my sparkles and stuff. So it's still... Finding, I have an altar space in there, and you have an altar space. Totally different. Yeah. And it's just, it's not losing yourself in the couple. It's still having space that is yours. Crafting your own environment. Yeah. And I, I mean, think even, that's essential. Yeah. Even if we didn't have two separate rooms, like, a lot of people can't have their own rooms. A lot of people have to financially share a bedroom in their yeah. living space. Make your corner or your half of the room yours. Decorate it how you want. You get the shelves on this wall. He gets the shelves on that wall. Whatever it might be, craft your own space wherever you can. It'll help. I think that's pretty essential. Because one of the downfalls is when I was living with two different partners and I ended up in a third relationship... And this girl wanted to come to the house and visit and maybe stay the night. And I'm thinking, well, shit, where would we stay? Because you didn't have your own space at that Because I didn't have my own room. But also, if it was one of those things where maybe you and your metamorph were like, Monsada wants to bring a girlfriend over and have a night. Let's one of us give him a room and we can split the bed or whatever. Yeah. And then I'm going to take this girl to one of these rooms that doesn't feel like my space Mm -hmm. and then i'm gonna have feelings of uncertainty or insecurity or don't mind those twinkly lights (laughs) (laughs) look away from the unicorns it's fine i mean i i'm still kind of youthful at heart so like my statues and some comic booky stuff and that and i do occasionally worry that i'm gonna have a partner and she's gonna come over and i'm gonna be like let's go to my room she's gonna be like why do you have fucking toys up? <laughs> to be fair, if she's your partner and you're at a place where you're getting sexy, she should know about your toys. She should also be in some kind of costume. That too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's that extra added thing to it. So having your own space, whatever that might look like, not only is good for your 
experience you want to provide someone else, but it's also good for your own personal well-being. It captures your individuality. That's a great yeah. point. Even if it's as small as a bookshelf. You know, I started at that place. Of course, I had my room because that was a, a necessity when I moved in. But when the rest of the house feels like someone else, see if there's a place you can put one bookshelf up. It just helps feel like home for everyone. So then there's also the aspect of who sleeps in the bed. Now, in these scenarios, it's mm -hmm. been pretty simple. This coupling or that coupling or alone. But what about multiple partners, all who enjoy sleeping in the same bed together. You and I have shared bed with a couple of other people mm -hmm. and there are their own unique challenges there as well. Like whoever sleeps in the middle-ish or not on an end has a hell of a time getting out of bed sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully they don't have to pee all night. Or having the people on each side rolling into you mm -hmm. and feeling trapped. My ex-girlfriend, I used to sleep in her bed and her husband would be on one side and I'd be on the outside. She was always freezing in the night. So she was a good person to put in the middle uh -huh. because we were very hot all night long and we'd keep her warm. Right. <laughs> you got to pick your space. <laughs> well, someone like me, I'm kind of a furnace. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm in the middle, I'm the log of fire right. that everyone huddles to to keep warm. Not me. I turn away. You. Yeah. Well, you're also a furnace. Yeah. So we often do separate. Repel, a little. repel. But if you and I are together and there's someone on one side of us, mm -hmm. the one in the middle doesn't get to get away as much. Right. And I pee a lot through the night, so I can't climb in and out of the middle space. Which is funny because when I sleep in your room, I'm on the outside because <laughs> yeah. you like being by the window because yeah. it's cold. <laughs> so you're still climbing in and out. True. And then there's the, if you have pets in your home, mm -hmm. which is a big deal. Bella mentioned at the beginning of the episode that we have Loki, our wiener dog, and Oliver, the cat. And both animals are often very close to me wherever I'm in the house. And I'm allergic to cats. Right. So there's that aspect, too, because you're not just sharing your bed with humans if you allow your animals onto your bed. You also have to figure out how these people are all going to work with all the animals and that's when this is all getting a lot more complicated. Like this dachshund that we have likes to sleep on the small of my back. <laughs> and then the cat likes to sleep between my feet. <laughs> and then when I have Bella in bed with me, she's all on one side of me. Like he's either spooning me or I'm spooning him. Right. So the wiener so, dog is on the back while he's hugging me and the cat's between his feet. <laughs> So my body plays Tetris to accommodate everybody in the bed. <laughs> and that makes for a very difficult next morning. Hence why he's sleeping alone tonight. <laughs> Yipper. <laughs> but then there's all these aspects. So you're allergic to cats. It took you a long time to get used to Oliver. And some people have allergies that are much more severe than yours. And then you got to think other partners that are coming to visit and stay in the night. They might also have the issues. So there's a lot of discussion and it can get complicated pretty quickly. Totally. But overall, we've covered a wide range of aspects on sleeping alone with a partner, with multiple partners, with multiple species. Well, and I think one of the tricky things that comes up that we haven't had to experience because we are pretty lucky in this sense. 
are the couples or triads or quads, however it might work out, where there's multiple people involved and they have one room and one bed. So if two people want to go hook up and get a little sexy, someone's on the couch, right. you know, like all of that. And that's a shitty situation, but it's life sometimes. That's just how it works. And I think it has to come down to, again, some communication, you know, or if it's a triad situation and maybe they're all individual and nobody's married, um, however it works out, maybe two people are perfectly fine getting their freak on in the bed next to the third person laying there. Right. I know I don't mind being that third person laying there if I don't want to partake in the sexy activities and the other two want to. So it's expectations, don't make assumptions, and communicate as much as you can ahead of time, and then wrap up how you're feeling afterwards. That's kind of hot for, I just want to say, <laughs> I don't think I've ever found myself in that scenario where I'm sleeping with a, part, a partner on each side of me, maybe, and I'm starting to get frisky with one partner, and then we're just, we just decided to go to town, and the yeah. other partner's like, let's go. Cool, That'd be thing. fun. Yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that's really what it is, is no matter what your scenario, no matter what your situation, this is what poly is. We all talk our poly off all the time. And the more that we can do that openly and honestly and responsibly and caringly, mm -hmm. we can accomplish anything. Totally. Even sleeping situations. Yep. I agree. So really what it comes down to is Try to have some conversations ahead of time so that the possibilities are brought to the forefront. Yep. The what if situations, these things could happen. And then have a lot of, have a lot of self-work, have a lot of partner work mm -hmm. and just, just find ways to talk through all of this in ways that you understand that you're not going to get hurt or, or that as long as you're being heard and as long as you're hearing your partner's it's all going to be okay. Anything's possible. Totally. You'll get through it. It's going to be okay. Just communicate it out. And it takes time. You're not going to get it the first time out. We've had to figure out our mistakes to move forward. That's yeah. what experience is. is and just because you ha hit a bump and have a fight or a blow up argument doesn't mean that's the end. No. Like we've had our fair share as much as, as perfect as we might sound. <laughs> Some people say that, and I laugh because that's funny. We've had our blow-up fights. You'll you know? get there one day. Yeah, you're so funny. He might forget to tell me something and then come home from a date and be like, oh, yeah, we fucked like rabbits last night. And I'm like, what? I thought this was a first date. Like, <laughs> I've never done that. On, oh, Just mind. an example. <laughs> I may have done that on a first Once date. Once or twice, maybe. I don't remember. But, yeah, communicate, talk it out. Have a heated discussion and then work through it. It's not easy. There are times where you just throw your arms in the air and you're like, fuck this. It's all too hard. <laughs> but it's good to remember why we're doing it in the first place. I mean, we all want to love and be loved. And we all feel so much happier when we have our life to share with each other. And sometimes the small stuff isn't worth getting worked up for. Totally. It's hard to remember in the moment. But who sleeps where? In the moment, feels like the dreaded worst apocalypse you can have. And the next day, when everyone's making breakfast together and laughing, you realize, shit, that wasn't that big a deal. Right. You know, just remember where your heart is and where it wants to be. 
make sure that you're with people who want your heart to be in a good place too. And on that note, we're going to head out of here. So until we catch you next time. Oh, don't forget, go check out ilovepolly.org. We've got our merch site up. Yep. And we've got our Patreon running with the bonus episodes. You can find it in the show notes. You can find it on our website. And the Patreon's pretty cool because at the $3 tier, you get to join our secret community stuff. We do, yeah. And at the $5 tier, you get additional, more candid episodes. But really, the community stuff, I think, is some of the coolest bit because you get to really connect with other people that talk their poly off and you get to hang out with us too so we get to grow our community together all of us get to grow our community together and it's especially in group in our secret group it's a great place to ask some of the questions that might turn into a full-on episode to help a person process in really great ways yep so on patreon you can even search for us now it's under talk your poly off Or you can email us if you've got something funny or whatnot to share, a story to share. Podcast at ilovepoly.org. Thank you for tuning in this week and talking your poly off with us. Bye, Polyam fam. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsina. You can find our Facebook page in the links. Or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepolly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And and love love without without limits. limits.